chapter 10, I'd like to share with you today a, a study entitled Living the Abundant Life. So let me pray with you. Lord, I thank you for your love, your grace, your strength, your power, your forgiveness, your blood, your cross. Lord, the, the, the amazing plans that you have for every single person here, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we study your word together, that it would just be that working word, that living word planted on good ground, on soft soil, on open hearts of faith, so that, Lord, you would do wonders today. Lord, we pray that you just work in us. I think of uh, people here that might be struggling or suffering physically. Lord, that you would bring healing upon them, upon uh, Jenny and, and so many others, Lord, that need prayer. Um, Lord, I lift up our nation, our world, all those, uh, even in uh, Colombia, Lord, that mudslide, uh, hundreds of people missing. God, I pray that in all these things, Lord, that we would look up and, Lord, you would minister and comfort and save. And so, Lord, bless this time, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but the young adults uh, went on a, like a mini retreat uh, Friday and Saturday. And so uh, they came back uh, yesterday. And my son, he's uh, 21 years old. He, he came up to me and he said, hey, Dad, how's the retreat? He's all, yeah, it was good, Dad. I met someone. I said, really? You, you met someone? He's all, yeah, her name is April. And, you know, I'm like thinking, wow, my son met someone in April. I'm thinking, you know, is she a Christian, you know? And... And you'll never guess what he said. You guys know it. April Fools. <laughs> and you know what? Because I, 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 I say that to you guys because I just want you to know that's the worst holiday in the world. <laughs> Where people are allowed to lie, for one. And then secondly, when you're like gullible like me, you end up kind of being a fool. So... Let's banish that holiday <laughs> from this day forward. But you know what? I want to share with you this, uh, this passage right here. It's such an awesome passage in John chapter 10. In verse 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so the first word for today is that word right there, abundantly. The Greek word, it means supreme, superior, more remarkable, more eminent, more excellent. That's the life that Jesus wants to give us. And I don't know if you ever sense that there's something more for you as a Christian, that your life as a Christian should be more eminent, like more excellent. You know, I don't know if you ever have that hunger in your heart, you know, as human beings made in the image of God, as Christians, yes, you're the child of God, but do you ever feel that there's something missing, there's something more? And then you start sensing that, you know, like more and more, I need more power, I need more love, I need more patience, I need more wisdom, I need more forgiveness, Lord, I need like more of you. My marriage is suffering. The ministry dreams are dwindling. The fire is dying. I find my heart wandering. And you're frequently, sometimes I see Christians as disciples down, depressed, discouraged, distracted, defeated by the devil. 
And then you begin, and a lot of times you rationalize in your heart, well, you know, I'm only human. Not, no one's perfect. TGIF, thank God I'm forgiven. Some Christians are like that. So you focus on the fact that you're saved and you try to make those feelings go away, but then they return. You're not content. There doesn't seem to be that consistency. There doesn't seem to be, in all reality, that victory that you just know somehow, some way, by the Holy Spirit that is supposed to be in your life as a Christian. You know, praise God that you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Praise God for that holy discontent. You know, whatever you do, don't even begin to believe that the Christian life is a life where you kind of just putt-putt through uh, paradise, you know, without power. You know, I, I want to encourage you guys to know that that's not the case. You know, the Christian life is not to be one where you just kind of squeak by. It's not. The Christian life is one where you fly. And it says that in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, that we mount up with wings as eagles, that we can renew our strength to run and not be weary, and to walk and walk and walk and not faint, to walk on water, to move mountains, that we'll live victoriously, powerfully, consistently. Yes, the truth is, Jesus said it here, we can live abundantly. Is that your life? You know, do you believe that? First of all, do you believe that? Secondly, have you received that? You know, it's going to be a bit of a battle because the devil is a thief. We read that here in John chapter 10. He stolen people away from God and that's not nearly enough to him. He wants to rip off the people of God from the blessings that God wants to bestow. You know, it says right there in John 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. You see, the devil and his demons want people dead so much so that we see the homicide, we see the suicide. He wants people to die without salvation, to die in their sins. He's all about what we call the first and second death. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so he wants to damn and send souls to a place called hell, which is just a holding tank for an everlasting place called the lake of fire, according to Revelation 20, verse 14 and 15. You see, he's the destroyer. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 10, 10 and Revelation 9, 14, where he's called Apollyon. And in the Greek and Hebrew, it means destroyer. And so that's his agenda. That's the agenda of the adversary. But notice the contrast of Christ. You see, the devil is all about death, but Jesus is all about life. And I want you to hone in there again in verse 10 where he says, I have come that they may have life, that's a Christian, and more. Not just life, not just salvation. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I mean, do we really know this? Do we live in this? Do we want this? You know, because I, I just, I know in my heart, you know, I, I, I just praise God. When you know the Lord is working in your life and there's like a flowing and there's like a victory and yeah, we have struggles, man, but... You know, they don't defeat us. We don't fall. We don't sin like we used to. There is 
an anointing on your life. There is victory. I mean, we have struggles. We have problems. Um, I don't know. You guys, I don't know. Do you have any problem people in your life? You know? I mean, maybe it's a coworker, Maybe it's a boss. Uh, maybe even someone in your family. And uh, I just want you guys to know this. Did you know that God, you know, has no problem with the problem people? They're not a problem. You know, I mean, a lot of times those things, they get us down. They get us discouraged. They defeat us, and they shouldn't. When we have the power of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our life, not just found but flowing through our life, there is no problem, there is no punch that can come your way that you won't trample on and live victoriously. I mean, we can't change them because even God won't force them to change. You can't change their actions per se, but God can empower you and your reactions to their actions if you want him to. You see, with God, those problem people are no problem because with God, there's power. And I, and I wonder, Lord, are we walking in your power? God wants to provide us with his strength so we can live victoriously, abundantly, every day, all day long, every moment, as you walk, every single step by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, and I just pray that we would know this, that we would embrace this. It, it really has to begin there, because if you have a mentality that says, well, I'm just human, I live in a fallen body, and I'm going to sin all the time, and there's really no victory for me, then you're not going to go to the second step. But if you know what the Word says, that Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly, then I tell you what, you're going to be seeking after that. You're going to be like, I want some of that, Lord. I want to walk in victory. I want to walk with consistency. I want people to see me as a light that shines in the darkness, that when they look at my life, there's no doubt. I don't just blend in. I'm not just a, a blendy, trendy Christian where no one can tell the difference whether or not I'm saved, that I would glow with your love. They would know I'm a Christian, that we stand out, you know, like a sore thumb. I mean... You know, we've got to know this truth. First word is that word abundantly. The second word is the word uh, spiritually. And so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul writing to the Corinthians, uh, notice what he says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, it says, but the, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so, you know, first word, abundantly, I pray you would know that's uh, something that we have the potential and the capacity to live as Christians but then the second word is spiritually, and we're going to have to come to that place where we can honestly say, I'm walking in the Spirit. But you've got to know, first of all, that there's three types of people in the world. And the first is the natural man. 
the natural man. We read that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that this natural man, he doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He can't know them because they're spiritually discerned. You see, the natural man, he doesn't know the Lord. He's not saved. He's just natural. There's nothing supernatural about him. He lies because it's natural. He lusts because it's natural. She, as you look at the women, sometimes, you know, they have their struggles as well, right? She worries because it comes naturally. She has insecurities because it comes naturally. The person who doesn't know the Lord has no power, zero, to defeat the devil. And so the natural man, they don't know the Lord. They don't have any interest in the Holy Spirit. They have no victory. But then you have the carnal man. Notice what we read in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. And we see this a few times in this letter as Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. And just in case you're wondering, the word babes is not a compliment, okay? It doesn't mean good-looking. I mean, this is a derogatory statement. You know, these Corinthians, they're in Christ, but they're still babies. If you look at the chronology of it, Paul started the church in AD 52. The letter is written in AD 57. They've been Christians for five years, but they're still immature infants, refusing to walk and to talk in obedience. They were divisive. They lacked love. They lacked power. They were not living abundantly. They had life. They were Christians, but they were carnal, godnet, flesh, foolish. And there are many Christians, tragically, who are living that life. You know, they should have been making progress for the kingdom of God and fighting the devil, but instead they were fighting each other. And you read that in the passage. You know that there's this natural man who doesn't know the Lord, and there's the carnal man. He is a Christian, but he doesn't know the power of the Lord. And then the third one is, is a spiritual man. You know, the first one, he refuses to wake up. The second one, he refuses to grow up. But what we have to do today, and my prayer is this, you guys, that before we leave here, that we will look up and we will pray and God will begin to do a move, new movement. You know, I know what's going on in, in, your, in your life, in your marriage, in your heart. You know, I don't know where. Is it divided? Is it sanctified? Are we, are we really seeking God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Can you honestly say that the love of God and the obedience and the life and the peace and the joy, they're flowing out of your life. And a lot of times people say, well, no, that's kind of like, you know, being you know, over the top. No, I'm telling you, man, a lot of times we as Christians, we've lowered the standard way too low. You know, God wants to give us victory, consistency, he wants to give us this passion. And what we're going to see today is that it's offered to us. You have to, you have to believe this is possible so that you can receive the uh, power to do the impossible. You see, the spiritual man is the one who is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he walks in the Spirit. And he's led by the Spirit. And he prays in the Spirit 
because he's been baptized with the Spirit, and then he's filled with the Spirit every single day of his life. You don't take a day off every day. Lord, empty me of self. Fill me with you. I am desperate. I'm in a crisis situation. I am dependent on you. And as you walk in that, in that reality, God meets you there. You see, the first word is abundantly. The second word is the word spiritually. And the third word is the word persistently. You see, if we're to live abundantly by walking spiritually, then we must be dependent on God and pray constantly. Look to, look to Luke chapter 11, if you would. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. Jesus is speaking, and he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Leave me alone, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Imagine, I mean, any of you, I don't know how you guys feel about your neighbors. How many of you guys don't like your neighbors? No, I'm just joking. You know, most of us here, we like our neighbors. We know our neighbors, right? And so they come, you know, it's midnight. It's kind of late. The kids are asleep. You're comfy in bed, but... If they just keep knocking, they keep knocking, they keep knocking, they keep knocking. All they want is bread. They just need bread. I mean, we'll get out of bed. We'll just say, man, I want to get some shut eye. Here, go away, you know. And, and what the Lord is saying here is that's how we should be praying. We're like, I, I prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit, and it, and it didn't happen. You know, so, you know, you did it three times, and then you give up. God says, no, keep going, keep going. I have this power available to you. Do you really want him? Do you really believe that I can bless your life? I can fill and flood, and this will flow from your life. And so he says, you know, you keep on asking, you keep on praying. He says, so I say to you, look at verse 9, ask, and it will be given to you. And that, in the Greek language, it's in the present tense. It's an imperative present tense. It's a command to keep on asking. Keep on asking. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for a bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? I mean, how many here as dads, you want to give good gifts to your sons, right? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? I mean, absolutely not. He says, so, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? Give the Holy Spirit. Spirit to those who ask him. I mean, this is a father and his son 
This is a Christian. This is somebody who knows the Lord. When you don't know the Lord, you're not a child of God. John 1 says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So you're a Christian. Here's a father and a son, and this son is asking. He's asking, he's asking, he's asking. You know, there's a time in the book of Acts where they were asking for boldness, and they were filled with the Spirit. There were times where they were just asking for help, and the helper came. I mean, a lot of times it is articulating that specific request, Lord, give me the power and person of the Holy Spirit. But if you're just asking for help, if you're in that situation and you need him, and there's a crisis, and there's a desperation, and there's a dependency, then he will send you what you need, what we need. And that is the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't need to struggle the way that we've been struggling. We don't need to just squeak by. We can mount up with ink, wings like eagles. We could fly. That's what the Bible says. But have we been in this place? You know, I was thinking, uh, um, for me, and just, uh, you know, we, we went away and Lake Arrowhead, and we just kind of spent some time with the Lord in prayer and, and worship and just getting in the Word and asking God for wisdom, you know, for the church. And, you know, the Lord started laying things on my heart regarding, you know, you know outreaches and, you know, trying to, you know, you know, minister to the homeless. I mean, just so many things are heavy on our hearts that we will, Lord willing, begin to implement, right? But then the Lord, he just brought me back to the reality. But what good are all those things, all those programs without the person and power of the Holy Spirit? And so we're going to do all those things, but first, as a church, we're going to seek him. And I'm going to challenge you, as not just today. Today will be one day. Next Sunday will be another Sunday. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day, Saturday, we are going to be seeking this. This anointing. Elisha asked for a double portion of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'll ask for a triple portion. And we're going to pray and we're going to believe because we know this is what Jesus has told us to do. You know, it's not necessarily an, an obtainment or an, an attainment, you know, that we go and we're like so good. No, it's an obtainment. It's a gift to be received and not an achievement to be earned. You know, let's look real quick at a couple of scriptures just in case, you know, you're, you're wondering, well, how does it all work? Look at John chapter 14. And Jesus is sharing with his disciples some of the most important things is right before he dies. It's the day before. He says in John chapter 14 and verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so here's the way it works. Before you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is with you. The Greek word is para, and he's convicting you of sin. He's convincing you that Jesus loves you. He's the Savior, and he's with you. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you and you become the temple of God. We read that right here. He says, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
That's what we read in, that took place in John chapter 20. If you would turn there to John chapter 20, and in verse 22, it says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, last time I remember this was in the book of Genesis when the Lord breathed on them and there was life. This is life. This is when they were indwelt with the Spirit. He came in them. But what you find is it's not enough. I mean, if you go back to Luke 24... In Luke chapter 24, even after they were indwelt by the Spirit, look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And so they had the Spirit living in them, but now he's saying, but don't go anywhere yet. Don't do anything yet. You know, don't go, because what's going to happen is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. And it's amazing what happens when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you go to Acts chapter 1, same thing. The Lord's about to ascend into heaven, and he says in verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. Notice now, upon you. So there's the three prepositions in the Greek. There's en, there's para, there's epi. For us, it's in, with, and upon. And what God will do is God will baptize you with his power. God will give you the strength to do things you could never do. Not just, uh, okay, I don't do crystal meth anymore. Not just, I, I don't look at porn anymore. I don't cuss anymore. I don't drink anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. Not just the negatives, but then the positives. There you are like Peter on the day of Pentecost, preaching a sermon and thousands get saved. What's the difference between you know, before and after? The difference is that power and person of the Holy Spirit. And he is available to all of us. You know, when you read through, through the scriptures, and in Acts 2, the, the Holy Spirit comes. In Acts 8, it's a cool story how people were getting saved in Samaria, but it wasn't enough. Then they sent the disciples down, they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts uh, chapter 14, verse 17, you read it over and over again. You read it in Acts 19. It's interesting. When Paul went to Ephesus, he went to the believers, right? And uh, these guys, they claim to be disciples. And you want to know, uh, you know, Paul, he, he was really in tune with the Lord, right? He, he looked at them and he said, you know what? Something's missing in your life. Something's missing in your life. I can see it. When you were saved, were you baptized with the Holy Spirit? When you were saved, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, well, we don't even know what you're talking about. So Paul ended up, you know, leading them to the Lord. He baptized them in water. But then afterwards, he laid hands on them. And he baptized them in the Holy Spirit. You know, real quick, Romans chapter 7. Let's turn there. And Romans chapter 7 is a pretty interesting passage. Look what he says in, in verse uh, 14, Romans 7. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, 
but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that is not good, that it is good. But now it is longer, no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I, 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 will, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. I mean, basically, in a nutshell, what Paul is saying is, I agree with the law that this is right and this is wrong. And so I want to do the right thing, but I find myself consistently not. You know, and I don't want to do this thing over here, but I find myself in a pattern where I, I just keep falling into it over and over again. I mean, I, I want to do it. There's an inner man inside of me that wants to do the right thing, but I have this fallen nature, this flesh, that it just seems to overpower me that, that I, I can't. And so he says in verse 19, for the good that I will to do, I will not do, but the evil I will not to do that, I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. That's a sin nature that we all have. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And so there's a war going on in all of us. And so he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then here's the key, verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And here's the thing, you guys, and here's what happens. Jesus delivers us. And he does it two ways. Number one, when he died for you on the cross, you were saved. But don't forget what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there comes one mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Thank God for Jesus, because he saves us, and then he baptizes us in the Spirit. And I tell you what, you go on and read Romans chapter 8, and it is all about walking a life of power as you're walking in the Spirit. Verse 1, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And he goes on and on, and he talks about the Holy Spirit. This third you know, member of the Trinity that oftentimes is neglected and we forget to pray for. And we don't realize he's available to us. How God wants to transform our life. You know, we go to church, we leave, kind of stay the same, go back to our struggles, and God is saying, absolutely not, today's the day where we begin something different, something new, something more 
I have come that they may have life and that they may have that more abundantly. That's what God is offering to us. But a lot of times, Christians end up carnal, like the Corinthians, and they don't have to be that way. Because we know now what the Bible teaches, that there is this that God offers to us. And I believe maybe some of you here, you were baptized with the Holy Spirit at one time in your life, but you're not anymore. Because we're leaky vessels, right? You know, Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13, my people, they've forsaken me. The fountain of living waters for these cisterns that can't hold water. And next thing you know, you know, we're, we're no longer walking under his influence. We have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's the first time it happens. But then we have to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. As you're under the influence of alcohol, it makes you into a, a different person. If you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you will be a different person. The other day I was tripping out. I was shocked. You know, I don't watch it all the time, but every once in a while I, I see that program called Flip or Flop. Have you guys ever seen that? Flip or Flop. Or, it's one of those programs where they where they buy houses and they fix them up and then they sell them, right? And so this house, you'll never guess where it was. It was in El Monte. El Monte of all places. I mean, they're all over the country, even all over the world, El Monte. <laughs> so I started watching it, you know, and I'm like, Lord, this, is, this house was a wreck. It was a wreck. And just when they started investing into it and, um, you know, for sake of better terms, lack of better term, loving on it and pouring into it. I tell you what, when it was done, it was, it was beautiful. And, you know, I think the Lord was speaking to me. I mean, like I said, I don't always watch that show. I just happen to stumble on it. And as you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you're realizing the Lord, you know, he's saying, he's talking to us here. He is speaking to us as a church, to you as a pastor, to you as a man, that God wants to do a work in Almani, that God wants to do a work in these people who live in Almani, who come to church in Almani. And they're hurting and they're struggling and they're squeaking by. But I want to invest in their life. I want to love on them. I want them to know what is offered to them, and that they would believe and that they would receive and that I would transform their life. And as they do outreaches and as they do ministry and as the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow like they should in a healthy church, God will do wonders. Because it's not just natural and it's not carnal, it's not a machine. It's supernatural. It's a movement of God as he offers this to us. He wants us to be filled uh, with him. You know, turn to John chapter 7. Here's the thing. You know, some of you guys, you're going to come in, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. But you're probably going to come in, you're going to leave the same. You, you know, some people, they come, they go, they, they don't really hunger 
after the fullness of God. And Jesus here, however, he speaks to those who do. In John chapter 7 and verse 37, he says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. You know, and, and we can't put God in a box, but, but here's kind of the way it works. They say that you're not going to get saved until you come like to a, like a crisis situation where God breaks you and you acknowledge your need for him. But then they also say that you're not really going to receive this power until you come to that, that crisis situation where you, where you realize, I need you. I need you. Whether it's a sin that you keep committing over and over and over again because you're walking in your own strength, or it's a struggle that you have that you know is spiritual warfare and is defeating you over and over and over again until you finally, you come to that place and you hit your head on that wall so many times that you're desperate. You're desperate. You're desperate for God. You're honest. You're honest. You know you've been living in sin because you've been walking in your own strength. And you got to repent. I mean, if you want a vessel to be filled with God, then it, it can't be filled with all that ucky stuff either. you got to get rid of it. The other day we went to dinner with some friends, and we were looking forward to a, to a great, great dinner because it was supposed to be a nice place, you know, and... But prior to that, we, we stopped somewhere else. And, you know, if we weren't careful, we could fill up on the junk food, you know. And then next thing you know, you don't have an appetite. That's kind of the way it works. If you're filling yourself with all the other stuff, if you're just filling yourself with self and your agenda and the things that the world has to offer, then you're not going to hunger and thirst after God. But if you do thirst after God, Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, it says, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, here it is again, will flow torrents of living water. You know, and, and as we close the service today, you know, I just really, I sense that this is what God wants to do in our church at this time. I believe that this is where we are. It's kind of interesting. You know, a while back I had given you guys a memory verse. I don't know if anyone here remembers the memory verse. It was about you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And, uh, and then today's study was actually supposed to be something different. You can ask Henry. I had studied in advance for today and even next week. And so it was supposed to be something different. But it was about loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and loving your neighbor. And so it was about love. It was about the fruit of the Spirit. 
But then I thought to myself, I said, man, they're not going to be able to do that unless they're filled with the Spirit. I'm going to go tell them to love, and they're going to fall on their face, and they're going to get frustrated. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, love will not only be found, love will flow. In church, this is where God has brought us. You know, I was thinking about the women's study, and I didn't even realize it until my wife told me the other day, hey, did you know our study is uh, living abundantly? I'm like, really? <laughs> Live abundantly? I didn't know that. <laughs> that's the spring women's study. The men are in the book of Joshua. Do you know what that's about? Victorious Christian living. I mean, this is where God is, is bringing us. And what God will do is he will turn us into another man. I love that passage in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And we see this uh, over time in history. All these people, Christians, men, ministers, pastors, who had gone for years in their ministry and they never really experienced the baptism or filling of the Holy Spirit. Men like Andrew Murray, D.L. Moody, Keith Green, Billy Graham, Charles Finney, and so many others. And then there came that day where the Lord met them. The Lord touched them. The Lord empowered them. And so here's my prayer, you guys, as we close this week, I, I want to encourage you to start every day with a sincere prayer. You start the day. Uh, some of you here, you might know Jerry. He's our youth pastor, and he had some grandparents that before they would even get out of bed, they would lift up their hands, and they would just ask for the Holy Spirit. Beautiful people, godly people that prayed for this church. This week, I encourage you to start every day with a sincere prayer. You know, something like this, Lord, before I can stand before any man, I kneel before you, and I ask for you to empty me of sinful me and fill me with the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I desperately need you, and you said in your word, Luke 11, verse 13, you could even quote him on it, Lord, you said in your word, that if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And Lord, I ask. Let's do that every day. Let's walk in dependence upon him. Let's commit to doing that before we face the day. Imagine what would happen to our church and then through our church if we all walked in that power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to ask uh, everyone here, as we're here on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays, we're here with all these different events. I'm going to ask the teachers and overseers and church, let's do this. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit. Let's see what God will do. You know, I have uh, one more thing, and some of you guys have probably seen this. I always crack up when I read. Uh, the, do we have that? that yeah, the, the prayer of Tweety Bird. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard this before, right? 
Uh, dear Lord, so far today I'm doing all right. I have not gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I have not whined, complained, cursed, or eaten any chocolate. Uh, I have charged nothing on my credit card. But I will be getting out of bed in a minute. <laughs> and I think that I will really need your help. Then, before you get out of bed, just ask for help. You know who the Holy Spirit is? He's our helper. Right now, let's ask for the Holy Spirit.